The Super Hits Podcast is talking about songs that were used as theme songs for professional wrestlers on the Super Kicks podcast series. We're starting off with Carry On Wayward Son by Kansas. Let's do it. It's a Super Kick party here on... What are we? Super Kicks Podcast? Is that what we're doing this week? Yeah, that's what we're calling it. Yeah, Super Kicks Podcast. I mean, you know, the deal is Super Hits Podcast, everybody. But we're talking about some songs that were used in wrestling because, you know, we're a couple of nerds. Yeah, songs that were singles on their own, but, you know, so they're not, they weren't, these weren't crafted for the wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am Alan, and I'm going to be leading you through the song this week. I would be, I believe, the one, two, three, four, five, sixth most accomplished wrestler to come out of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And uh, my that makes me a fifth. Nope. <laughs> Number seven. Who is over there? Number seven. And can you name the top five? The top five. All right. Uh, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, Roddy Piper. Um, beautiful Bobby, Jay, uh, Spider, and uh, nope. the, uh, the Big Kahuna. Nope, Don Callis and Mr. Beefy Goodness. That's, that's Nevada. Right. That's Nevada. Uh, who are, who's here with me? That's uh, JVC. Megamix.com.com is our website. I also have, we got to put Brother Midnight in there. Ah, yes, Brother Midnight. Uh, anyways, we're going to be talking about Kansas and Carry On Wayward Sun. Should we just get into it? Do it. All right, so we'll get to the wrestling tie-in shortly. Yes. But let's talk about Kansas, the band, not yeah. the not the beautiful state. No. Kansas are an American rock band that became popular during the 1970s on album-oriented rock charts. That's what the Wiki calls it. Like, you know, kind of snoozer rock, classic AOR, rock. Yeah. Yeah. And later they had a couple of hit singles, one that we're covering today, Carry On Wayward Son, but also Dust in the Wind. In 1969, Don Montre and Kenny Livgren were performing in a band called Reasons Why in their hometown of Topeka, Kansas. With a band called Reasons Why, you can only imagine the kind of music they're they're making, right? Yeah, exactly. After leaving to form another band called Saratoga with Lynn Meredith and Dan Wright, they started playing Lindgren's original material with Scott Kessler playing bass and Zeke Lowe coming in on drums. Ah, Zeke Lowe. Yep. You know, one of the greatest drummers of all time. <laughs> of course. I mean, I remember being a drummer. They were yes. like, oh, you need to do this ZL style. So, <laughs> I love it. Good. In 1970, they changed the band's name to Kansas and merged with members of a rival Topeka progressive rock group called White Clover. White Clover members Dave Hope on bass, Phil Ehart on drums and percussion, joined with Lindgren, vocalist Meredith and Greg Allen, keyboardists Montre and Wright, and saxophonist Larry Baker. I believe that's eight people in this band. Jesus. This early Kansas group, sometimes called Kansas One, (laughs) lasted until 1971 when Ehart, Hope, and some of the others left to reform White Clover. So, you know... Just like you in high school, bunch of bands. <laughs> so many bands. So Ehart was replaced by Zeke Lowe and later Brad Schultz. Hope was replaced by Rob McKinsky on bass, and Baker was replaced by John Bolton on saxophone and flute. This lineup is sometimes yes. referred to as, get this, Kansas 2. No. 
And in and uh, yeah, thirty years later, apparently they reformed under the name Protocaw. I don't know what the hell that means. Protocaw. Okay. So then we get to 1972. Ehart returned from England, and he and Hope once again reformed White Clover. Or sorry, Clover with Robbie Steinhard, Steve Walsh, and Rich Williams. And in early 1973, they recruited Lindgren from the Second Kansas Group, which then folded. So here's my question. Should we rename this the Super Names Podcast? I know, right? (laughs) So many names. I love it. So eventually they received a recording contract from Don Kirshner's label after Kirshner assigned Wally Gold, um, assistant Wally Gold, heard one of their demo tapes and came out to check the band at one of their local gigs in 1973. After signing with Kirshner, the group decided to return to using the name Kansas. I love it. And also because this is a wrestling podcast, I wish that Don Kirshner's nickname had been The Corporal. The Corporal, yes. Don Kirshner, by the way, was a prominent music publisher, producer, songwriter, and talent manager. Aside from Kansas, he also managed groups such as the Monkees and the Archies. So, Left Overture is the fourth studio album from Kansas, which was released in October of 1976. It was their first album to be certified by the RIAA and remains their highest-selling album, five times platinum. It was produced by Jeff Glicksman as well as the band and recorded as uh, recorded at Studio in the Country in Bogalusa, Louisiana. The album was released on the Kirshner label in the U.S., Epic Records in Europe and Japan, and CBS in Oceania. Uh, Robert Criscow gave the album a rating of a D plus. So all right. So now we finally get to the single "Carry On Wayward Son." Not carry on my wayward son. That's right. That's a common misconception, folks. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was released as a single on November 19th, 1976, and was the first single released from Left Overture. It was written by Carrie Livgren, according to Livgren, on the very first day of rehearsals for the new album. Steve said he had nothing, not a single song. <laughs> I, 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 so they basically got together and they were like, yeah, we haven't done any work. I love it. So drummer Phil Hart recalled that Livgren mentioned a new song as Kansas was packing up to leave Topeka for studio in the country in Louisiana. Uh, he presented Carry On Wayward Son to his bandmates, uh, and this was only after they'd reached the studio. According to Livgren, it was the last night we were in Topeka. I came into the studio on the last day and said, I think you better hear this one. <laughs> the guys looked at each other and said, we got to do this. I'm sure that's exactly how it went. I'm sure exactly. So then in a 2004 interview, Ehart recalled, it was the last, last song to be submitted for Left Overture. I can't even remember if we dropped something else to get it in there when we recorded it. We didn't really think it would be a hit. It was about six minutes long. We were on the road and our manager said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but we actually have a hit song. We said, what? And he said, yeah, Carry On Wayward Son is shooting up the charts and it barely made it on the album. So, sure. I love how he's just just so lazy. Right? <laughs> Everything. What? It's on the charts. Yeah. Oh, it's going up the charts? Crazy. It's ridiculous. Uh, Kansas, uh, their other guitarist, Rich Williams, indicated in 2004 that the success of the song was not a total surprise to the band. As far as knowing what a hit was, we didn't have any idea, but we knew there was something special about the song. It was very easy to listen to, but still very different. So again, sure. Yeah. Why not? 
So the album version of the song clocks in at 5 minutes and 26 seconds. Uh The single edit is shortened by a full 2 minutes to 3 minutes and 26 seconds. The single version basically just fades out the song early. Yeah. The B-side to the single is a track called Questions of My Childhood. Mm. 28 versions of this song are listed on Discogs, almost all of which are from 1976 to 1978. There is a reissue in the U.S. in 1983, and there is a lone 12-inch single with the rest of these being 7-inch singles, because, you know, it's the 70s. Yep. It's not going to be a fucking dance remix of Carry On Wayward Son. <laughs> I own the Canadian 7-inch released off of Columbia Records in 1976. It's cheap, and it's easy to find. Uh, it's hard to find uh, album art for this one. But a German version has a black and white photo of the band standing outside in a field. And yes. the, the band and the song name in plain text above it. Yes. And and uh, the one guy, as always, looks like a massive farmer. Yeah, it's about, his, overalls. it's about as lazy a cover as you can get. Yep. The song appears on numerous Kansas compilation albums, including The Best of Kansas from 1984. The Best of Kansas from 1989, The Definitive Collection, The Ultimate Kansas, Super Hits, yes. The Essential Kansas, Classic Collection, The 70s, colon, Kansas. Uh, it also appears on a number of other compilation albums, and uh, I only, I think, noted one. It's called Stars, a KTEL compilation released in Canada in 1977. I wrote, this album is filled with a lot of junk. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the song's popularity got a boost by the CW show Supernatural, which pretty much oh. adopted Carry On as an offic- unofficial theme song. Okay. Uh, the song is featured in the South Park episode Guitar Queero. In the episode, Stan and Kyle become obsessed with the video game Guitar Hero and often play Carry On Wayward Son. It's played throughout <laughs> the episode. You know, as did we, let's be honest. Of course. Uh, this was a major, major song, I believe, on Rock Band. Yes. Uh, it was great to play. Yeah. Uh, it was used in The Office in the season three episode Cocktails. It plays as Roy and his brother trash a bar after Roy learns of Pam and Jim's kiss. That's right. The song appears in the 1977 movie Heroes. It's also a part of the soundtrack for Pitch Perfect, She's Out of My League, and Happy Gilmore. Yes. Uh, during the end credits to the movie Anchorman, this is the song that plays. Nice. In the professional wrestling scene. Here we go. Professional wrestler Matthew Palmer used this as his theme music while wrestling in the independent scene. Okay. And uh, then I'm going to take you back to November 19th, 2022. Yes. Uh, I am sitting in the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. At the AEW, uh, which one was this? Full Gear, Full Gear. 2022 event. And uh, the Elite making their return after a uh, three-month suspension. Yes. And uh, usually would come out to, you know, Superkick Party or whatever Kenny Omega's music is. Or their uh, the, the Elite song written by their by the Young Bucks' dad. Yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, instead, we get... Carry on Wayward Son becoming the new theme music for the Elite. Yes. So yes, uh, something that the Bucks had used previously, I believe. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in their in their indie days. So and, uh, yeah, they continue to use it up till last night. Anyway, when they when they lost the trios titles. Yeah, that's right. So 
I have last some... night being, by the way, folks, we're recording this on the, on March 6th. So yeah, March 6th, 2023. Uh, yes. So I have a couple of opinions about this song. I'm, I have that I have to share. Okay. Okay. So number one, the first like 30 seconds of this song is fantastic as a wrestling theme song. Yes. You know, they're, they're very started. The entrance is spectacular, but yes. the song tones down very quickly. Oh yes, absolutely. And so it's like almost quiet. Yes. And so you kind of have to, it's kind of like, you know, there's another wrestler. We're not going to cover this song, but Ruby Soho, right? Yes. Uh, by Rancid. They use that in uh, AEW as well. And it's really, really good for the first like 15 seconds, but then it tones down. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way about John Moxley, who uses Wild Thing. And when they first got licensed Wild Thing, they licensed it by the Trogs, like the original. Yeah. And there's a flute solo. Yeah. He's standing in the ring with this flute solo playing. And the guy's like, a super like tough guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so that part I think is you know I wish they'd remixed it uh, yes. a little bit for the entrance. Now the other the Mikey, thing, I, the Mikey Ruckus remix. Yeah. Now the other thing, I could do without the three of them singing their own fucking theme music. Yeah, they're while they walk to the ring. While they walk to the ring, while they're standing on the turnbuckles in the ring, they're they're singing their own theme music. Don't do that. Amazing. Uh, anyways, so that's okay. uh, that's the reason, though, be behind why I chose this song. So there you go. That's great. Thank you for that. I mean, I knew this. Yep. Because I'm, I'm just as big of a nerd as you are with wrestling. But uh, yeah, uh, for our listeners, this is why. It's on the Super Kicks podcast miniseries. Yeah. Now, outside of wrestling, one more fact. Fred, Fred Armisen does a pretty great stand-up routine. It's about a new guitarist auditioning for Kansas. Yes. And learning all the riffs to the song. That's cool. So as soon as he gets one, he's like, "All right, here we go." Then it changes. And he's like, "Oh Jesus!" And then, yeah, <laughs> I like his um, when he does the all the different types of drummers, and he has a, he did a whole comedy like tour about dr- being a drummer. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. So, anyways, well worth checking out online, and that is all my facts about the song. Do you have anything else? No, nothing that you didn't cover, buddy. Lyrics. Uh, so I posted the lyrics, but I actually didn't highlight ones that I love. Um, I'm I mean, looking them over right now. I like where he says, "Masquerading as a man with a reason, my charade is the event of the season." <laughs> it's pretty good. That is good. Yeah, I do enjoy the uh, right after that. Um, on a stormy sea of moving emotion, tossed about, I'm like a ship of the ocean. Oh, it's so emo. Yeah, yeah, a super emo song. It's so true. it's like sitting in front of a dumpster reading that as a poem. <laughs> Well, Kerry Livgren, I don't know if he sat in front of a dumpster when he wrote it, but he said about the song, it's autobiographical, parallel to my musical career. I've always been in a a spiritual uh, sojourn, looking for truth and meaning. It was a song of self-encouragement. I was telling myself to keep on looking, and I would find what I sought. Um, Also important to note, after this song was written and released, Livgren was born again on July 25th, 1979. And since 1980, has recorded primarily as a Christian rock artist. Has he changed the lyrics to this playing it in certain places? I bet you he has. <laughs> From Song Facts, according to Liv Grin, the song was not written to express anything specifically religious, though it certainly expresses spiritual searching for other ideas. Uh, but of course, other people might have their own opinions. Really? Yes. You know, the internet, okay. right? Yes. So from Song Facts... Roshna from New Jersey said, 
no offense, but screw Supernatural. This song has always been amazing before that show began. So Amazing. So loves the song, and then it's on a TV show, and instead of being happy about it, is mad at the TV show. Is mad at the TV show instead of exposing more people to a song that you like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on song meetings, there are 188 posts. Yes. And a lot of them are long. Wow, I can only imagine. A few actually take the lyrics and interpret them section by section. No. Most of the interpretations have to do with Christianity, God, and Jesus. Uh, oh despite I, that... I just can't. Despite that, I managed to find a few gems. Okay, good. So, the first one is a guy named Pyro Jedi... Yes. Can, can you take a guess of what the song reminds him of? <laughs> to me, Star Wars. To me, this song reminds me of Anakin Skywalker's situation as the chosen one. God, are you kidding me? The chorus line to me is like the Force or Qui Gon Jinn telling him to keep no. doing what he's doing after he becomes Darth Vader. Why? Why would? You, oh my God! In the first verse, it makes me think of how Anakin wanted to save his wife from death. He grew strong in the Force. But he became too arrogant in his power and lost his perspective when he turned to the dark side. Yes. Then here's what he writes. He writes he writes the lyrics. I'm just going to give you an example, okay? okay yes, so, yes. so this is the second verse. So from the song, masquerading as a man with a reason. And then the interpretation, Darth Vader in Attican's guise. My charade is the event of the season. That would be the great Jedi purge. If I claim to be a wise man, it surely means I don't know how. That would be Anakin or Darth Vader questioning what he's doing. God, this is the... Oh my God, this is the best. This goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, in Praise of Folly said, oh, no. I like Pink Floyd and Pandora.com suggested that because of that, I would like this song. And hey, I did. <laughs> yes. So, good job, Pandora. Uh, Lightman135 said, This song is about we being wounded in Vietnam. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Now, one of my favorites. Uh, let's see here. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, oh, no. Yes, yes. Chang96 says this You guys are idiots. This song is clearly about a sleepy airline pilot who flew above the clouds and was blinded by the sun and now has a fear of crashing. So he is pondering and thinking about his son, praying that he doesn't make the same mistakes and buys a coffee before flying. And this guy is clearly trolling because he posted this comment like 30 times. I love it. I was wondering, I'm like, that's got to be a rip. Yeah. So despite the fact, of course, that he is ribbing everybody. Oh, no. Autumn Rules decided to reply and said, at Chan 96, seriously, how the hell is this song about a sleepy pilot? How high were you when you thought of this? Obviously, the song is about drug use. Of course, it's about drug use. It is about someone who steered off course and became a drug addict. Just look at the lyrics. So. Yes, just look at the lyrics. Yeah. Sure. Uh, oh my god, amazing and, Yeah, and then the last one um, Always on a knoll said I love the people who are like I'm no Jesus freak I was raised Catholic, I'm atheist now You don't fool me I guarantee half the people who said that Are huge Jesus freaks You're probably <laughs> praying for forgiveness right now Good old Christians <laughs> Yes, uh, amazing Alright, reception time 
So Carry On, Wayward Son debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 chart during the week of Christmas, December 25th, 1976. It was at number 87. It sat between Hard On My Sleeve by Brian Ferry and When Love Is New by Arthur Prysock. Oh, Arthur Prysock. Hard On My Sleeve. Heart on My Sleeve is a cover song, and it's basically, uh, it's a pretty basic song overall. I said it's not offensive. Uh Uh, It's number 86 place on the charts on December 25th was its peak. Arthur Prysock was a jazz lounge singer, and this song appears to be an attempt to capitalize on disco. Oh, no. It's a loungy tune. It's not that bad. It sounds like it could be a theme for a campy 70s TV show. Peaked at number 64, but on the U.S. R&B charts, it made it all the way up to number 10. Right on. Uh, Wayward Son would peak at number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100 during the week of April 2nd, 1977. That's a slow climb. Yeah, and during that week, here is the top 10. Yes. Uh, At number one, Rich Girl by Daryl Hall and John Oates. Nice. Number two, Dancing Queen by ABBA. Uh Number three, Don't Give Up On Us by David Soule. Number four, Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston. And number five, Evergreen, open parenthesis, Love Theme from a Star is Born, close parenthesis, by Barbara Streisand. Uh. Number six, Southern Nights by Glenn Campbell. Number seven, The Things We Do for Love by 10CC. Number eight, Hotel California by Eagles. Mm. Number nine, I've Got Love on My Mind by Natalie Cole. And number 10, Maybe I'm Amazed by Wings. Eh. All right. Eh. Mid-70s. Sure. During the same week, April 2nd, 1977, the song peaked at number five in Canada. Yes. Uh, the RPM magazine with the, let's see, with the charts, the date, what did I say here? Uh, I see. Uh, so it was April, it was April 2nd, 1977. But then when you go into the magazine, it says April 2nd, 1976. So the editor is not doing their job. Walt. No. Come yeah. on, Walt. All right. So for the week of April 2nd, 1977, your top 10 in Canada. Uh, Dancing Queen at number one, Star is Born by Streisand at number two, Kenny Nolan with I Like Dreamin' at number three, The Things We Do for Love at number four, uh, Wayward Son at number five, Rich Girl at, Girl at number six, Steve Miller with Fly Like an Eagle at number seven, Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston at number eight, Long Time by Boston at number nine, Ooh. and Don't Dive Up on Us by David Soul at number ten. Again, a mixed bag. Pretty much. Mid-70s. Uh, also wanted to note that in this edition of the RPM magazine, it was a 48-page edition. Wow. So it was a long one. And it was the Juno Awards edition. Oh, yes. Uh, the big winner uh, that year was Burton Cummings. This dude and his master stash are littered throughout the edition. It's just That's great. so, so many Burton, Burton Cummings. Yeah. Burton Cummings everywhere. Uh, so in terms of other charts, not many other countries to list. In Australia, it went to number 58, the UK number 51. Uh, though in the UK, it did uh, sell 400,000 plus copies or, you know, reach that status for gold. Yes. Uh, in the States, four times platinum, that is 4 million sales. Uh, so not too bad there. Uh, uh, su- supposedly, I think I grabbed this track was on uh, the Wikipedia. So take it with a grain of salt. Supposedly, Carry On Wayward Son was the second most played track on U.S. classic rock radio in 1995 and number one in 1997. How you would figure that out, I don't know. No idea. On Spotify, the song has over 500 million streams and the, nice. ofi- and the official video on YouTube has 75 million views as of February 2023. 
I'm shocked about that video, but I guess people just want to listen to the music, I guess. Yep. All right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yep. Covers and samples. Here we go. So the song is an original. Who sampled has it listed as being sampled for five tracks? A few of note. Okay. A band called Renard. Renard. Uh, covered this track uh, in a track called Take Me to Space and Back. Though when I listened... Uh, uh, oh, I listened to this, and the song has more references to Black Hole Sun by uh, uh, by Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Uh, also, I wrote this track is fucking garbage. Okay, Girl Talk. Yes, <laughs> sampled Making this a return. Yeah, sampled this in 2006 in a track called Warm It Up. Uh, 19 covers of this song are listed on Who Sampled. We have the Oak Ridge Boys covering this in 2002. I wrote it's no good. <laughs> Uh, Anthrax covered this in 2017 as a two-part, uh, two-track single of covers called "Leftover Thrax," which is a play on "Leftoverture." The yes. other cover was "Black Math" by the White Stripes, and I said the Wayward Son cover is really good. Is it? Yep. All right. Uh, Striper covered this in 2011. Yes. I said it's not that bad. Really? Okay. Guar covered this in 2013. If you're a fan, you'll probably like it. I think some parts are decent and other parts are awful. Okay. The 8-Bit Universe cover of this song is fucking great. Okay, yeah, yeah. I can uh, imagine. Yeah. The Twinkle Twinkle Little Rockstar version of this song is okay, but the song does not translate all that well to lullaby format. Okay. Good to know. Music video. All right. So the music video is a performance clip of the band. Uh, they're on stage simulating a live performance. I don't think that there's an audience. Uh, they are full of bad haircuts and mustaches. It is it is shot so tight. Yeah, there can't possibly be an audience because you wouldn't be able to get the cameras in focus that close if you were that far away in an audience. The drummer is barely playing. Yep. There are a lot of clips of the drummer who are just so out of sync to the music. Right. The singing also doesn't sync up very well with the audio. The singers move the mics away from their mouths before the singing yep. ends at some point. Mm -hmm. So this video is going along and I'm about like, I'm ready to give it a bad rating. Okay. Uh -huh. Then we hit the break at the two minute and 50 second point. Uh -huh. The part where the song goes into the double time, the D D D D D D D D D D D. I said, shit picks up. We get bongos and some serious tambourine. Yep. Followed by a rad keyboard solo. The bongos don't fit the song at all, but I don't care. It's rad. It's pretty good. And then my last comment, I can't get over how fucking bored the drummer looks. <laughs> uh, do you just want to rate it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, the video. Uh, so it's just a performance clip. Um, I didn't want to be too harsh. I mean, I did find that most of it is not particularly well produced. The lighting is horrible. Like, just bathing them in that awful light just makes these ugly dudes look even worse. Yep. Um, but yeah, it does pick up a little bit. It, it, it you know, gets a little bit more frantic. I'm going to give it a, a 3 out of 10. Nice. Uh, so I was raring to give this a 2. Yeah. Uh, that bongo solo shot it up <laughs> 2 points for me. All right. Uh, I was thoroughly entertained. Yep. Uh, I'm giving it a 4 out of 10. Love it. All right, the song. Uh, the song's fine. Uh, the main riff is really good, uh, but there are parts of the song that I just don't really like as much. Um, still, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. It's a good enough song, 
it doesn't just doesn't kind of grab me. I don't really like it as the elite's entrance theme. Not that that affects my rating, but it just doesn't. Yep. But I'm going to go with a five out of ten, which is three stars in my library, just, just at the low end. That's all. Five out of ten. All right, I'm giving the song an eight. Yes. Uh, I think it's rad. I think my appreciation for it grew when they when it was included in Rock Band. Yeah. And you notice yeah. all the different guitar parts, like they're interesting. Um, yes. Now, the, again, the low, like the slow parts of the song, I could do without. But the multiple parts with the guitar riffs are, yes. are, are to me, I think they're fantastic. They're um, and the singing is pretty good. And it's one of those where I would let it play through. And again, for the first 30 seconds, I think it works for the Elite as a theme song. And then after that, probably shouldn't be wrestling theme music, in, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, in my opinion. But hopefully, another reason why we're doing this is because the week that, that this podcast comes out, in fact, the day after this podcast is released, this episode... Yes. Uh, we will be at the, what's it called? The Canada Life Center now? It, Canada Life Center. Yeah, in Winnipeg, Manitoba to watch AEW Dynamite. And uh, you've got to think that these dudes are going to be there. Well, they have to be. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's Kenny Omega's hometown. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll hear it live. That's right. Maybe it'll change my mind. Uh, so there you go. Carry on, Wayward Son. And uh, what have you got cooking for us next time? Well, really, you know what? Let's stay in the 70s. But a little later in the 70s, we're going to go with... Uh, Jane by Jefferson Starship. Yes. The uh, theme song of Orange Cassidy. Oh, boy. Can't wait to talk about that one, everybody. Uh, yeah. If if you want to... I, I said a lot of names from all the millions of people who were in Kansas. I'm sure I mispronounced some of them. If Kansas is your favorite band and yes. I got something wrong, let us know. If we didn't rate the song properly, let us know. If the song is really about religion, let us know, yeah. too. Yeah. Superhitspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up at Superhitscast on Twitter at Superhitspodcast on Instagram. And you can find me on all the social media. Slip with five eyes or sleep. I'm Jamie C. My website, megamix.com.com. Thanks for listening, friends. Bye. Bye.